your health is in your own hands. Is it better to do something now before you get to a point where it's irreversible? Or should you just get on with it and do it? I mean, I obviously have regrets for getting to my highest weight, my heaviest weight. A lot of people say, oh, no regrets, I've learned so much. I've got regrets for getting to my heaviest weight. I'm paying for it now. And I'm going to be paying for it for years to come. So do it. Just just take it, take it by the horns and do it. Reach out to someone that you see has either done it themselves or reach out to someone who's close to you, who understands you, won't mock you, will help you. Just take your life back. Don't let anything control your life apart from you. And welcome back to another episode of Simming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Oldham-West. It's January the 31st. I just can't believe how, how quick this month has gone. It's just It's just flown by. If you're listening to today's episode and you're kind of like clinging on to that glimmer of hope back in, in January with those shiny New Year's resolutions and maybe just need to reconnect with your motivation and mojo, I've got a great guest in store for you. Andy Boland has lost six and a half stone to date and has achieved so, so much, starting with a weight of 35 stone. The changes that it's had with his, his weight loss and his health is is truly remarkable. It really is. And I know that Andy will be off to motivate you and inspire you too. He's built up a, an Instagram account. He's got a personal trainer. He looks to self-help books. And is also part of a group, a football team called Man V Fat. And this is a, a fantastic football team that focuses on weight loss and fitness. This is a great community for guys that might not feel comfortable walking through the doors of a weight loss group. I think this is really, really positive and I know you're going to love Andy's story. Andy's now looking to motivate and help other people as a coach to help people with their weight loss and fitness journeys. Is introducing Andy to his episode of Slimming Stories. When I looked through Instagram and I was looking for inspirational stories, I think just the way that Andy shows up on Instagram, his vulnerability, his honesty, was just really inspiring. And the fact that I think it might be the first rocker that I've had on the show. And I thought, I've got to have him on. <laughs> I've got to have him on. I want to start by telling the guests that I haven't yet found you on Instagram, where you started with your weight loss journey. So January 2018, I weighed in at 35 stone. A few health complications. I was diagnosed with prediabetes. I had some trouble with my chest, so palpitations, chest pains, that kind of thing, which also uh, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. So it was at that point that I realised that at 29 years old, something needed to be done. Being sort of wheeled into hospital um, in the back of an ambulance and a couple of nights before New Year's Eve of 2018, uh, it was probably one of the lowest points in my life, yeah, without a doubt goodness and up until that point had anybody tried to help you or assist you or was it a case that I don't know either stubbornness or not wanting to connect with the reality of where your weight loss was going what held you back from doing anything until that point I, I probably couldn't find anyone that didn't try to help me if I'm perfectly honest with you because you, you know you always got the comments from the family member saying that you need to do something Friends would say they'd be worried about me, but I just found myself in a ruck of bad habits. 
Um, I was drinking five, six, seven nights a week heavily. I was eating to compensate for the hangovers, for the, you know, feeding yourself before going on a mad session. And it was a vicious cycle. Um, I had a lot of people that would comment and say, you know, you need to do something, family members especially. And I think it was just a case of having some really terrible habits that was keeping the weight on me and having a bit of a disregard for for my own health. Mm. And to take that step to do something, it, it sometimes does take a lot and does take that shock of, of what happened to you. So before that time, what was life like for Andy on a day-to-day basis, taking in that food, taking in that alcohol? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deny it. I can't deny it. I absolutely loved it. Like, obviously, you know, it was tough on tough on me elsewhere like eating and drinking was was a great time at the time but then the consequences of the drinking was and eating was pretty pretty rubbish so you know being constantly sweaty being out of breath climbing one flight of stairs struggling to walk 100 yards without my back going Mm. that was tough but I, I obviously used food and drink as a coping mechanism and then found found solace in food and drink and in the industry that I work in that I worked in at the time it was commonplace to go out after work and have a few pints which would lead to a few more pints and a few more pints and then a takeaway so it wasn't difficult virtually every night to find someone to go to the pub with mm. you know you can have a good laugh have a chat talk about how crap the day was etc and then take away on the way home next day feeling a bit ropey Big load of food for breakfast, snacks, coffees, trying to keep yourself keep yourself awake with all the coffee and the and the cake and all those kind of things. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but obviously I was lacking in other areas of my life as well, which which kind of wasn't enjoyable. I think the food and the drink as a coping mechanism definitely helped. Yeah, definitely helped. Unfortunately, and the void that you was trying to fill. Can you talk me through? any of that void and at what point did you recognize that I mean I don't even know if I was trying to fill a void I think I was just enjoying myself yeah more than anything like it was there would always be someone after work that would say you come in the pub so I'd be like yeah let's go for it so then the next night it'd be someone else you'd say we go in the pub and then eventually you get known as someone who just goes to the pub all the time and people yeah. come up to you at the end of the day and go you come in the pub you're like I'm already there mate I'm already, <laughs> already there. there yeah so- absolutely so it was it, it, I wouldn't say it was filling a void so much I think it was like I say just these bad habits ter- mm. terrible terrible habits that I've gotten into over the over the last few years especially before actually making the change so it was more of a like a cultural thing that you was in this routine. And I bet you was like one of the most popular guys at work. <laughs> it's like, let's phone Andy. Let's contact Andy. He'll be at the pub. If someone wants to go to the pub, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But any other, any other any other events like playing football and doing other normal things, no. No, I wasn't. No. I, was, I was the one to go to the pub with. Yeah. Yeah. Was you not able to do anything physically in terms of exercise before <laughs> the weight loss? Um, I mean... Going from the fourth floor of the office that I was in to the fifth floor was a struggle. Really? So, so no, yeah. So sometimes I'd, I'd get in the lift and go down to the ground floor, have a quick walk outside, come back in, and get the lift up to the fifth floor, so I could actually avoid being seen going from the fourth floor to the fifth floor, and being judged as lazy. 
And if I did take the stairs, by the time I got up to the top, I was I was pretty exhausted. Goodness, that you know, I totally understand where you're coming from with that, and that's the, obviously the extent that your weight had, had, had got to avoid in that that confrontation. There is a stigma around weight gain in terms of the size that you obviously had, had got yourself to and and shame around that too and I'm not going to sit here and lie because we all know we've all seen that you know the fat shaming and, and and what goes on did you feel that you was judged when you was at work did you feel that you had to do that to avoid any sort of like confrontation or conversation around that yeah yeah without a doubt without a doubt um within in the industry that I work in you see a lot of people who are physically fit and active you know they're thin good looking people and I was almost almost an outcast, really, kind of, unless I was going to the pub, as mentioned before. But um, yeah, hundred percent. Like I would do that, and, and maybe it wouldn't even be people that would say anything. Mm. But it'd just be in my head that I'd think someone might say something. But you yeah. know, you you always see the occasional glances where people are looking from side to side and then pointing, nudging you, nudging someone to look at you, and you'd occasionally get your friend as well who'd rib you, all in good nature. Yeah. But at the same time, having been heavy all of my life, being ribbed even in good nature was something I struggled with if, if it was to do with weight because it was something I'd been judged for for my entire life. Quite difficult really to take even even good natured joking about my weight yeah. at the time. So when you say that you've been overweight all of your life, did that start during the school years or was it after leaving the school? During yeah. school, I can, I can remember being a heavy kid back when I was five, six, seven. Right. When I was back in school that young, yeah. So I've always been the heavy kid, but then it didn't get out of hand until I left school, went to college, when I started getting very heavy. So my activity was minimal. I started drinking, I was eating more, wasn't exercising, you know, and, and the weight started piling on after school more in college and then obviously got to uni and I was drinking even more mm. weight went on even higher and then yeah it was I, I was always big I was always a big kid there's a big culture at university and college around drinking I, I can remember back when I was at art college it was like okay we'd have this lesson at such and such time so we'd go to the local pub that that independence and finding yourself finding your feet and I, I, for me it was almost like fitting in because I wasn't a big drinker I wasn't a big drinker, but the people that I live with, that was like, like you say, every night. And is that how it started? Did you find yourself at university just getting into that culture and, and drinking every night? Because that's what everybody else did. So I didn't actually move away to university. I was at home. So during the day at uni, I wouldn't drink because I'd drive into uni. But when I was 18, um, even up until before I was 18, I was, I was drinking in the local Royal British Legion um you know I'd, I'd go for drinks with my dad when I was younger um as well he'd take me out drinking and I started working in that Royal British Legion as well so it became commonplace when I was working there I'd have a few pints I'd eat some of the snacks there that we had and then I'd get home have a few more beers yeah. um so it was it was drinking most nights was it was then but then yeah, I guess growing up from when I was probably 15 or so onwards, it was drinking most nights. Yeah. You know, obviously not as much when I was younger because I couldn't handle it. But no. I remember from when I was when I was 15 onwards, it was it was drinking most nights, yeah. 
And often I'll interview guests that have gone down the food route or maybe I'd like the weekend where possibly like binge drinking, but I've not often interviewed guests that have, have done have done both. And to have that much sugar and that much, I guess, sugar release from your your food and you know all of that combined, you can understand where the where the weight went on. Going back to that moment where you was rushed to hospital, can you talk me through that and and what went through your mind as you lay on that stretcher? I'd had warning signs up until this point from maybe the September or October onwards. So there'd been a day where I'd gone out drinking at maybe 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, finished maybe 11 p.m. I'd been out drinking the night before and I wasn't even sure if I'd had a heart attack that weekend. Like I've, I've no idea. I don't. I don't think I had. No. I felt like I may have done. I've subsequently had heart tests where they said functions all fine, but I was worried from that October up until December, and then that night, it was December thirtieth, I think, twenty seventeen, or December 29th, one or the other. I was due to go up to the parents for New Year the day after, and I just couldn't sleep. I was lying on my front. I was getting palpitations, and about two three. Two in the morning, one in the morning, something along those lines. I, I rang the uh, NHS direct, yeah. but not not the emergency. And they came out, and you know, I've been putting it off because I've been getting these palpitations at night for quite a few nights, and I've been putting it off and putting it off. And I just thought I have to do something just in case because I I got to the point where I think thinking about the palpitations was just making them worse. So I just figured I'm going to call in. I'm just going to see what they say in one one one. There's no harm in doing that. Ended up the paramedics came out, did a load of tests and said that, you know, there's nothing that seems to be wrong, but we'd rather you go in and get the checks. So I was like, yeah, fair enough. You know, I have to do something here. Just just play it by the book. I went under my own power, so I wasn't too bad. You know, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't like I was dying or anything, or I wasn't being stretched in. So I walked to the ambulance, but it was embarrassing more than anything because at the end of the day I'm 29 years old and I'm thinking I've put myself in this position I've done this to myself and I've got to take responsibility now and and do something about this so I'd I'd read a book uh, not long before that I think was it yeah it might have been the year before or six months before or something like that and it really changed my life in that it said you have to take responsibility for your actions because if you don't then you're not going to learn from it and you're not going to progress in life. So mm. I was like, right, I have to do something about this now because my weight is killing me. I'm not succeeding in any form of life because of my weight, if that makes sense. So yeah. I just figured sitting in that ambulance, waiting at the hospital, worrying and putting my parents through unnecessary worry and my friend that I lived with, putting them through worry for no need. I thought I've got to do something. I have to do something. So it was, it was a, it was a life changing moment. I think I count myself lucky that I had this and that it wasn't any more serious. Mm-hmm. Because if it had have been, I might not be sitting here talking to you now, or I might have been diagnosed with something irreversible. I might have been diagnosed with full on diabetes and, and blood pressure that would mean I'd have to take medication for the rest of my life. So I count myself very lucky that I had this warning sign. And this kick yeah. up the arse that I needed to to change my life. I'm just thinking, you you know, your family, your friends must have been so relieved that you then decided to make that change. Obviously, it's been awful what you've been through, but knowing 
that you'd made that decision to make a change must have been such a a weight off their their shoulders knowing that you know you're gonna put your health on on a different a different platform and, and and make those changes what was their response to your I guess light bulb moment naturally they were shocked like you say they were shocked that I was going through this um and they were worried they were concerned that this had happened uh, but like you say yeah definitely they were they were overjoyed that I was going to be doing something about about my life because you know to, to when I look back I, I was a mess hmm. I was a mess and I can say that about myself and my own personal situation I was a mess I was a mess and I think you know they all knew that and a lot of them wouldn't say anything but some of them you'd often get them say we're worried about you you need to do yeah. something and you maybe get subtle hints saying that oh we're going to try and lose weight should we all do try and do this together <laughs> and na- naturally <laughs> naturally like I'd say yeah 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 let's do it let's do it I've got loads to lose and and I'd back out. I'd, I'd have a strong memory of they'd organise running a 5K and a 10K. Oh, gosh. And I was like, yeah, definitely. I'll do that. I'll walk around. I'll walk around. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'll do it. And I sent a picture to them from the pub oh. because I didn't turn up for it, you know, because I'd, I'd bottled it, which is yeah. what I did. And I think, yeah, a lot of them, you still, I still get messages from them now. And especially when I'd moved to another office to work and I saw some of them after a while who hadn't seen me or who didn't know what I was doing. And they were shocked to see the transition and the transformation. Even even after, I think, what was it? It was probably after about 12 months of me starting that they could see the differences. And it was encouraging to see their reaction. Yeah. For them to actually see, looking incredible, mate, you're doing really well. So, yeah, they, they, were, they were happy for me to make that change. They were definitely proud of me. I mean, those transformation photographs on your Instagram page are truly, I mean, they are they are they are shocking but they are remarkable that you've been able to make such a positive change in terms of your health and and like you said that you didn't have a life back then and that you was a a bit of a mess and you you had quite a lot of I guess negative self-talk like you said at work you felt that everyone was good looking and was a certain way how is your mindset change in terms of the self talk now could you tell me or even try and explain a one sentence that you would tell yourself on repeat that you knew was nonsense which would be s what conversation did you have with yourself in terms of your weight loss what you could do what what was possible that you really knew was total bs i think it's a difficult question for me to answer at the minute because the negative self-talk is still there yeah and it's funny because I've recently been discussing this with my coach about how I view myself. And even though I'm virtually half the person I was, I still sometimes see myself. When I first flick to a picture of myself in my head, mm. I sometimes still see that I'm that 35 stone guy. Yeah. So it's not fully sunk in. It's not something no. that has fully embedded in my brain and he's sent me a book actually to read on that and I started reading it but I haven't been able to sort of commit to reading it properly and engaging with it properly recently so it's something I do still need to work on but I know for a fact that I'm not that guy anymore like I look in the mirror I've recently started lifting weights and I can see changes in my body already and even though I've seen lots of changes in my body from when I first started 
because there's still quite a bit of fat there, because there's still quite a bit of loose skin there, still not happy with my appearance, still not happy with the way my clothes fit. I'm still not 100% happy with everything. So there is a way to go, and, and I'm conscious of that. But at the same time, I've got a lot less to do now than I did. So whilst it is overwhelmingly positive, yeah. it's still there's still that negative self-talk in there. There's still so, the, yeah. I'm not good enough. There's still yeah. the, I'm the fat guy. Mm. So there's a long way to go for me, I think. And I think you see a lot of it as well with people who've lost a lot of weight. They still take a little bit of time to adjust. Absolutely. Everything that you've just explained from the previous interviews I've done, this is something that's quite common. That It takes a, a time, I guess, for the the mind to catch up with a physical body and if you think about it if you think about any type of learning if you think about a computer if you think about the information that has to go into a computer to do whatever the computer needs to do and it's just like a young child all that information that's you know drilled in from a young age and like you said you know you were around five years that you recognize that you was different and then up to the point of having this problem with your heart and then recognising, okay, it's physically, I'm different, but I don't quite, don't quite see that. And I don't think it's always a case of body dysmorphia. I think it's just the old stories that are on loop and just go round and round and round and round. And, and making that connect is, is where I feel in my experience of, of talking to people around weight loss, that's where the magic lies. I think that's where the magic lies because doing the mindset piece is often what will keep people at target. That's the piece that will keep people in control of the weight when they can do the mindset piece. And yet often that is the hardest, that's the hardest part because they're having to let go of the past do it also and let it go and that that's the hardest thing isn't it just just you know letting go and then recognizing I mean for yourself you've been given this almost like a new life like a new chance you've got the, like the second chance at, at life because if you'd have continued if that hadn't have happened like you said you know you could have been on meds things could have been totally different but you escaped that and you had that you've had that second chance and making that connect it's hard and I'm so glad that You've got a coach. So is that somebody that helps you in terms of your physical body, in terms of your training for weights? Yeah, so uh, it's a weight loss coach. He's on my Instagram. Um, he's called Nas, um, Nas Fit Boss. And he's an interesting character, very interesting character. So he doesn't do what you'd think a typical weight loss coach would do. Most weight loss coaches will go, here's a fitness plan, here's a diet plan, on you go. And then okay. if you've struggled one week, you can't do it, you know, then you're a failure. However, the way NAS works is it's all about changing a couple of habits every week and sort of building better habits over time, gradually in, introducing them. And yes, he does help me with different food stuff. He does help me with exercise plans and that kind of thing because he's a qualified personal trainer. But he he makes it easier for you and he doesn't do it as if like going straight in balls to the wall 
getting it done. He he breaks it down into smaller pieces and gradually increases, you know, your activity levels, gradually increases your, your better food choices. Now I'd lost a lot of weight before going to NAS, but I'd found myself putting the weight back on. And it was getting to a point where I was actually getting worried that I'd get to the point again where I was at before, three years ago. But then I approached Nas, signed up with him, and we've been working together now for four months, I think. And the changes have been great for me. Yeah. But not only in weight loss and in my habits and that kind of thing, but he's also helping me actually become a weight loss coach myself. So it's a career right. that I actually want to move into because I feel if I can help people do what I've done, mm-hmm. then that'll be so rewarding for me. I can sort of learn from what I've done. I can learn from what Naz teaches me and I can give back and I can do what I've done and help other people. And I think that'll just be, for me, extremely rewarding. That's just so lovely to hear. I could just give you a virtual look because... You would want to be trained by somebody who's super fit, who's had no history in terms of difficulties with food and behaviours. You know, sometimes you just want somebody that's been on that journey, don't you? Sometimes you want to connect with somebody that knows exactly how it feels to be overweight, how exactly it feels to take that first step in terms of walking walking at speed and then maybe running you need that don't you that that relatability and I think I think you'll be fantastic and I can see just through this conversation and through how you show up on Instagram that you know you're coming from a a genuine place and people people will home in on that because you, you can't really hide that I think the way that you show up I think that that is fantastic. And I'm so pleased that you've you've recognised this in yourself. And it sounds like the, the coach that you've got is is helping you with your confidence and making you realise these, I guess, possibilities that this could be your new life. You could be a weight loss coach. Yeah, absolutely. He's got that relatability as well because he was overweight at one point too. Right. So, you know, that was one of the main selling points for me. And I'd known of him through Man V Fat Football um, on the forums there. So he he coaches at Man V Fat in Cardiff. And it was through Man V Fat that I lost a lot of my weight. Um, so I knew that he had, had had dealings with Man V Fat, which, which sort of got us connected in the first place. And then over Instagram, we got talking, booked me in for a consultation. And at the point... I was, I think I was four stone on top of my lightest weight. So I'd gained four stones since being at my lightest weight just before last Christmas. And I just thought, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose here. No. Not only in that I want to do this myself, I, even before even before being coached by Naz, this was something that was a pipe dream for me and something that I really wanted to do. But I just thought I've got to take this opportunity now to get my health back under control and to sort of help me understand when something does go wrong, how I can fix it. That's right. And this Man V Fat, is that a football team? Is that what you've just said? Am I understanding yeah, that Man right? V Fat, it's it's an organization and um there's plenty of leagues around the country and there's even a few in Australia as well and America, I'm led to believe. Basically you, you join part of a team. There's a few teams in the league, there's between six and eight, depends on how many people have registered. And you play a game of six aside 
or five aside, depending on how big your teams are, how big the league is. Before your game, you weigh in and you get points for losing weight. You get bonus points for hitting a 5% weight loss, 10% weight loss, losing weight three weeks in a row. Right. It's great. It is great for accountability. And it's like I lost weight, I think, in the four seasons that I played there. So that would have been 48 weeks, maybe maybe more, maybe less. Like I lost weight probably about 40, 42 weeks, something like that. So it's something that popular. kept me nailed on. Well, you, I, I, did become, <laughs> I did become captain of my team wow. because of my weight loss, but I was absolutely terrible at football. So okay. I just thought, <laughs> honestly, I was awful. Um, probably because I was a fat kid and never got picked to play football, oh, which makes you. a lot of sense. Yeah, so I was terrible at football, but I was doing it on the scales. You know, I was absolutely smashing it on the scales and that was that was sort of my input to the team. I just thought, if I can't play on the pitch, I'll do it off the pitch. You know, and I was getting big weight losses every week. The more I think about it now, knowing what I know from what I've learned over the last few months, it's not the healthiest and most sustainable way of losing weight, the way that I approached Man V Fat Football. Okay. But, you know, it's obviously put me in a great position in terms of I've lost this weight and, you know, I'm a lot more physically active. I'm fitter. So it is good, but focusing purely on the scales mm. isn't the best no. way to look at weight loss. No, 100%. 100%. Where, it's, where, it's, where it's rewarding weight loss and penalising weight gain, that's something yeah. that's not ideal. I think depending on the plan that you follow and the group that you join will have a different perspective in terms of weight loss and weight gain my own personal experience so I've been to Weight Watchers very early on I think I was 14 the first time I went to Weight Watchers but mainly slimming world (laughs) yeah it's a running theme isn't it in the UK yeah in my, my experience I've never felt shamed in my group I've also heard that it just depends on consultants and things like that but I totally understand the scales and I do really appreciate what Weight Watchers are doing now in terms of you can show up and I think they I think they like you to weigh every I'm probably gonna say this totally wrong. Anybody in Australia that follows Weight Watchers, do forgive me. But I think you like can weigh every five weeks or something. So it's not every week and it's more around the mindset and, and keeping I guess yourself accountable to the weight, but you don't have to weigh every week but to be fair in terms of swimming world I've had occasions where I've said look I just can't face the scales because what they do is like a ram robin and I think they do listen but I think because there's so much media I guess there's so much media around that that number on the scale that there's that hidden pressure and I, I found I found it myself I know when I post on Instagram I did go through one period of time where I kept putting my weight on there or my weight loss and then I had a bad bad month or whatever and then it was like that that shame of thinking oh goodness have I now got to tell my followers that I put you know seven seven pounds on or something yeah I, I totally hear what you're saying I, I think it is changing but I don't think the diet industry is, is is quite there that yet and I understand the need to have that measure and I'm not sure how it's ever going to be totally I guess dissolved because we do need that don't we we do need to know 
I guess, some sort of measure of our BMI. We do need to know if we're in a healthy body or a body that could put us at risk for heart disease. We need to know that, don't we? But how, you know, how to measure that going forward on a like a long term strategy? I'm not really sure how they could change it. Well, BMI is an outdated tool, isn't it? It's a very outdated tool. It was something that was set up in, was it either the late 1800s, early 1900s by a French scientist of some sort who I don't don't quote me on that he was he was someone from back in the day anyway and it was an average weight of white men now, okay yeah that that's right, not going to be that. something that's yeah that's not going to be something that's suitable for you know people of our time now because we are naturally bigger it's not yeah. going to be suitable for people who aren't white yeah so it's not a good indication for those groups of people to begin with now and the fact that in America, for example, it affects people's health insurance, because your BMI is slightly higher. There's, a, there's right. quite a few things that have been said about the BMI scale now. But measure of fitness, measure of health, we can measure ourselves. That's definitely a better indicator. You know, see how much body fat we've got on our bodies rather than just looking at the scales. And also you can be, and it was something I was reading yesterday in, in the optimum nutrition course that I'm doing now, people who are overweight, but a fit are less likely to suffer from cardiovascular disease than people who are of a healthy body weight but are unfit. There's a lot of stigma on the number on the scales, yeah. I think. And bearing in mind as well that the scales can vary not just because of body fat, but because of your muscle mass, because of mm. you know, retained fluid for for women. If they're on their period, they're gonna get a higher weight that week. Yeah. It's, it's not the best measure. It's not the no. best measure, but combining combining different measures, yeah, it's a safer approach. And like the way that I do it with my coach now is that I weigh daily and I look at my average for the week. So it could be that, say, for example, on a Saturday, I have a lot of carbs. My weight's going to be higher on the Sunday because every gram of carbohydrates hold on to about three grams of water right. in your body. So if you have 300 grams of carbs, you're going to be holding on to almost a kilo of water. So 2.2 pounds of water. I think those are the right numbers. Okay. So it's not the be all and end all. Weighing daily and taking an average accounts for those spikes. Or like you say, weighing every five weeks, that could even be better because you can see mm -hmm. then a downward trend. But yeah. weighing weekly is a bit dangerous because if you have that one bad day and it, the next day is the day that you weigh, that's going to be like, oh, I've gained weight. And that could send you then spiraling back into old habits. It could send you, mm -hmm. you know, reaching for comfort foods and that kind yeah. of thing. So jumping on the scales on a weekly basis isn't the best measure, I think, from no. what I've learned anyway recently. Taking averages every day or taking a weekly average every day or jumping on the scales monthly and just using measurements and how your clothes fit. The Simmon World plan I follow, for example, there's different plans where you can accelerate your weight loss that are around, you know, trying to cut down on processed processed carbs, let's say, mm -hmm. and potatoes and things like that. Um, from what you've explained, that would be, be the, re the reason why. And from that look on your face, I know you, you're ready for me, aren't you? Because my friend's exactly the same. She's trained to be a nutritionist and she's like, Claire, it's all wrong. Simmer girls are all wrong. But what I say... Absolutely not. No, no. Absolutely no, not. I'll never, sure? no I'll, never say, I'll never say that Slimming World's wrong. I think if you follow the Slimming World plan to the letter, 
then it's good. I also appreciate that the accountability that you get in the Slimming World group as well is going to help people. I think with Slimming World, it helps people to cook better as well, so they can learn how to cook more. With Slimming World, I've spoken to people. I'm liking the positives. I'm liking the positives, Andy. Absolutely. (laughs) There's, There's positives and negatives, but Slimming World, I think, with the way that they say things are sins, I'm not that comfortable with. I hear because you. that's got a negative connotation on foods when at the end of the day food food is fuel and food is there to be enjoyed as well mm-hmm. but <sighs> demonizing potatoes that's that's something that gets to me because well, we need carbohydrates yeah they don't demonize potatoes what I mean, I don't really like coming on the podcast and talking about sins and, and food and things because I'm not, you know, I'm not a consultant. I, I don't work for Slim World. But in terms of different plans that can accelerate your weight loss, there are those plans within within Slimming World. And some of those plans are around reducing those type of carbohydrates. But whatever plan works for you is a plan that you need to be on. What you said when you absolutely nailed it on the head there, if you find something that works for you and you enjoy it then do it swimming world weight watchers calorie counting keto atkins whatever you find that you enjoy you do it and if it works yeah 100 percent. and it's been lovely chatting with you andy if anybody listening is interested to maybe start some of the things that you've mentioned around the football and getting in touch with a coach but having that i guess honest conversation with yourself without having to go through what you went through what piece of advice could you give somebody your health is in your own hands is it better to do something now before you get to a point where it's irreversible or should you just get on with it and do it I mean I obviously have regrets for getting to my highest weight my heaviest weight a lot of people say oh no regrets I've learned so much I've got regrets for getting to my heaviest weight I'm paying for it now and I'm going to be paying for it for years to come so do it just just take it take it by the horns and do it reach out to someone that you see has either done it themselves or reach out to someone who's close to you who understands you won't mock you will help you just take your life back don't let anything control your life apart from you Hmm. you control the controllables and your weight is controllable you know, obviously there are people who do suffer from medical conditions that mean weight loss is extremely difficult. And I appreciate that. So I'm never going to say if I can do it, someone else can. That's not something that I'll ever say because it's difficult. And the longer you leave it, the harder it gets. Yeah. And and for me, whilst my weight loss for a good while was easy, that was because I had a lot of weight to lose. Now I'm getting to the stage where it's a lot more difficult and you know I look back and think there are times where I could have done something different and I should have done something different and I wish I had done something different and I'm paying for that now but I've not done it differently but I'm going to get there I'm going to get there at some point I know I am I have to because at the end of the day I want to help people do what I've done I need to actually look approachable and look as if I can help people because at my current weight you know, people will look at me and go, how, how can you be a weight loss coach when you're still heavily overweight? So, yeah, for me, it's do it. Just just do it. As Nike said, or as Nike said, <laughs> just, do just do it. Genuinely, it's the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah. Negatives are you're going to be going through maybe a little bit of discomfort for a little while. 
But after that, it's going to be the best thing that you've ever done. Brilliant. And reach fine. out and reach out and talk to someone. That's that's one thing I can say is just reach out and talk to someone. It's a huge thing. That is a great piece of advice, Andy. And I, I could sit and talk in response to that for an hour explaining to you why you've got to be super, super, super fit before you start talking to people that are overweight <laughs> about losing weight loss successfully. So I would 100% yeah, I challenge I that, but I won't, I won't. <laughs> I'll be kind. We can pick that up another time. <laughs> you know, you say that you've got, you've still got weight to lose, but look how far you've come. I mean, for goodness, 16 and a half stone down. 16 and a half stone down and you think for some reason that you're not going to be able to help somebody who's been in your situation to motivate them to take their own life back i mean that that is we need to just forget that story where that story <laughs> come from forget that <laughs> but no you, i know <laughs> i know i'll be able to help i know i'll be able to you help will people, exactly exactly at That's the right. same time people might look at me and think this is where i'm coming from now is that people might actually look at me and go you're overweight. How can you help people? So I know I would have could have, and I should have would have could have. Nonsense. Yeah, I know I'll be able to help people. It's a story. Yeah. It's a story. Park it. It's a story. <laughs> you will. You will be able to help people, and you are 100%. helping people by showing up on Instagram, being honest, showing these fantastic transformation photos. You, you're helping people now. You are helping people now, and you need to own that, Andy. Honestly, you need to own that. So if people have not found you yet on Instagram, where can they find you? Instagram handle is Achieving Andy. Achieving Andy. And I'll put that in the show notes. And I'm also going to ask Andy just to send me the links to for the book and the coach and this uh, football football club. Because I think for guys in particular, that would be a great thing to be part of. If you're listening to this and maybe that has inspired you to perhaps be part of that team, sounds like a a great thing a great thing where you can maybe get support and I know that a lot of guys wouldn't like to turn up to a weight loss group but maybe they would feel comfortable in going to a football club so thank you so much Andy it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much appreciate it you're welcome take care I think this episode today is a great insight into looking at the weighing scales and taking measurements and I guess standing back from the the diet industry that we know more commonly and just to put into practice some some practical help if the scales are talking to you in a in a negative way if that number on the scale is really really grating you every time you step on and you're feeling that you, you can't face the scales maybe you're somebody that is getting on the scales a couple of times a day and it's just kind of taken over and I think Andy in this episode gives some great help and advice how to to look to measure your weight loss success and not just focus on that scale once a week I think this is is a great a great gift that Andy's given us just to look at things differently in terms of our weight loss and that number and it can be big, can't it? It can be big. It can just block us in the way of, of reaching our goal and getting past that that number on the scale and, and going into that, that next stone bracket that we need to, to reach our target. Please go and show Andy some love on Instagram. And again, it's a great, open and honest 
interview and I really appreciate anybody that comes onto the podcast and, and goes into how it feels and how it's affected them in terms of their journey and the feelings that come up. If you're new to the podcast and if you would like to support me through my own podcast journey then please hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast hit subscribe and that will help me climb the podcast charts thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of slimming stories until next week take care and i'll see you then